Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. I would be in my room. I'd put the music on and I'd wrestle by myself uh, in my in my bedroom. I'd have I'd wrestle like Tom Brand, John Smith, and I would I would just go through it. So then when I actually started competing in these tournaments where I was wrestling at the at that uh, national level, I would do the same thing. I'd wrestle each match just right there in my room with doing push-ups. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is Eric Larkin. 2003 NCAA champ for Arizona State. He was also the Hodge Trophy winner that year. He was a 410 All-American and recently has co-founded Valiant College Prep, which is a prep school that he created essentially for Arizona to be able to have a, a high school wrestling team that competes at the national preps. It's in the early stages, and I think you'll be interested to hear why he did that and what some of the steps are for Valiant to get out of the national scene. Fan of the Week goes to Anthony DePiscali from Elmwood Park, New Jersey. If that's not the most Italian name you've ever heard, I don't know what is. Anthony, in all fairness, man, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Folks, this episode is brought to you by the Beat the Streets Virtual Gala. Beat the Streets Chicago Virtual Gala taking place Saturday, June 6th from 8 to 9 p.m. Please register to attend if you haven't done so already. You'll hear what we're doing here in Chicago with the Beat the Streets program. To register, please go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com and click on the Beat the Streets tile on the homepage. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Sun Devil great Eric Larkin. What was like your upbringing like, and how did you advance to a national level of skill so quickly coming from you know a state not yeah. always known for its wrestling? So I wrestled when I was six years old, one tournament. Uh, my dad was a wrestler. My uh, mom's, all of her brothers, she comes from a family of 11 so her five six brothers all wrestled um actually at the high school that i went to and so did my dad and his brother who wrestled at uh, u of a at the time mm. before they dropped that program and we practiced in the living room uh the night before and i had high tops on socks pulled up to my knees t-shirt shorts and <laughs> went out and wrestled the next day and i think i lasted probably 15 seconds each match i got tech like front headlock just and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't fun. Right. Seventh grade rolls around. I've been playing soccer, traveling all over the place playing soccer. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to wrestle. My dad was like super excited. He wanted us to wrestle the whole time, but he knew we just, I didn't get it. I didn't want to do it. And immediately had success. I think I lost one match in Arizona uh, junior high um, and then started the freestyle. And then it was year round from there on out. I think my second year of wrestling, I took third in both styles in Fargo. Uh, at cadet my second year wrestling it might have been my third but I think it was my second year yeah so I was just I, I got it right away um I just I didn't want to lose and I found a way to do it and I just got better with technique as as time went on so yeah but how okay so how does that and I, and I mean this seriously how does that happen when you think that one you, you obviously a, a natural gift of athleticism, but did you have confidence knowing that your whole family wrestled or were you and your dad working out like all the time drilling to be able to take third in Fargo in both styles two years into it? I was just on the mat every day from when I started it. Uh, I guess I, I was confident in my strength 
and I just felt myself getting better. And then I'd hear about kids would show up to tournaments and, oh, he's this good. And I'd go out and beat him. I'm like, man, maybe I am that good. And I just kind of built my confidence as I went along. But uh, we didn't do a whole lot of uh, drilling early on um, with like my dad and my brother. We did a lot of strength training mm. and, and that helped me a lot. For sure. Yeah. Especially at the, at the, uh, at the younger ages. And then yeah. your brother, did he start when you started or was he already going through yeah. that? Yeah, no, he, he started, so he was in fifth grade at the time, and he got it just like I did. Um, his strength took a little bit longer than me, uh, but once he got his strength caught up, yeah, he was, he was just as good, if not better, at the time. And that Sunnyside, that program, that is a, a, a dynasty in Arizona. Who are some of the guys who, are, who have come through there either before or after you? So guys that I really looked up to that I remember when I started getting around that room. So when in seventh grade, when I started in junior high at Apollo, the feeder program to Sunnyside, I would go to Sunnyside practice every day after. Mm-hmm. So I'd go to two practices every day. So I was doubling up, doubling up. Um, uh, at the time, the, the, the superstars, the studs on the team were like Danny Vega, uh, Marco Vasquez. I'm trying to think who else. You Leroy remember. Vega's brother? Uh, no, Danny Vega. He was a three-timer from Arizona. You know Danny Vega, the the one that wrestles at uh, South Dakota State now. Um, he's their, their, their starting twenty-five pounder. Okay. He went he went to Iowa State first, and they had the coaching change, and then he came back home, and then went to South Dakota State. So he's there now. Gotcha. Uh, his dad. Okay. Uh, so those guys, but one person that I really got to work out uh, work out with was Tom Ortiz. He would come in from. Uh, Iowa State during the, the Christmas breaks and stuff like that. And I'd roll with them. Um, I actually remember splitting his eye open. He spent half the day uh, getting stitches. Uh, I always joke with him about that. But um, let's see, who else? Eddie Urbano. You remember yeah. Eddie Urbano, right? Were the yeah. Galax too young or are they not even on the scene yet? The Galax, no. Yeah, so they were too young. But uh, I think when I was a senior, yeah, when I was a senior, Nate was a, no. I graduate. Nate was a freshman. Okay. I used to wrestle with their older brother, Aaron, uh, who graduated around the same time I did. And then I saw those guys coming in. They were, they were studs. So the Galax, um, Lopez, uh, obviously Bravo. Uh, yeah. Right. He's, he's awesome. He's exciting. Well, what do you think it is with that program? Is it that it's just a big city and there's naturally going to be kids coming through there? Or are they doing things that you're trying to replicate now that you're a coach elsewhere? It, so it's just hard nose and everyone in there, you, your pride, I mean, you wear it on your shoulder there. Um, and everyone's intense. Like you don't want to let someone beat you. So it's just, it just keeps going up and up and up and you just build off each other. Uh, and especially during that, that wrestling season, that's all you're focused on. And it's cool because everyone around you is doing the same thing. So that's what, yeah, like what we're doing now with our group is just, trying to get everyone on the same page, everyone with the same mindset. And it makes everything else easier when you don't have those outside influences trying to pull you this way and that way. Um, that was easy to do at Sunnyside, uh, at least for me. And man, you talk about what you're doing now. You've legit created a private, well, maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to know what you're doing um, with, with, uh, with the prep school you're at now. So did you co-found the school and create it out of thin air? Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Take us from the top, man. Take us from the top on that one. Uh, all right. So I started I, – when I stopped coaching at ASU in 08, um, I took a little break from wrestling, then I got back in it, and started coaching in high school at a, at a Catholic school uh, in the Valley, Seton Catholic. And before I took the position, I told the AD and the principal that I wanted to have an, the opportunity to compete in the national preps and not compete at the AIA at that level. Cause I, I knew I was going to be able to draw on a bunch of kids. Um, I knew that was going to happen just with all of the people that were supporting me was making that idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, taking that chance. And I was, I was guaranteed that I'd have the opportunity to do it. I was like, we'll revisit it when you prove yourself and then we'll move forward from there. So three years down the road, we're already doing well. We, the fourth year, uh, we have three guys in the top 20 in the country, uh, Fargo champ, some Virginia beach champs, uh, state champs. I think we took second at state that, that last year. And so I went to the AD and I said, Hey, let's do this now. 
it got shut down there. So I took it to the principal, got shut down there. They went to the Catholic diocese, it got shut down there and I'm done. I'm like, I don't want to do this. And they, they moved our, so I was slowly moving our divisions up to be with the big schools like the Sunnysides. Uh, and we started at the lowest. So each year you have to apply to do that. And we were about to go into the big schools and they made a whole change in the AIA uh, where every sport has to be the same. So like football was still at the lowest. I would have been at the highest, the bigger schools. Yeah. That year they made a change where everyone had. So of course the, the other sports that they did not want to go to the big schools. Yeah. It wasn't fair. Yeah. Uh, wrestling was different. So I was going to move all the way back down to those smaller schools. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So that year I was just trying, I, I want, I wanted something for my boys. I have five boys of my own. So I, I just started thinking, man, what if I just start my own school? And I kind of just started researching a little bit. So I called my, uh, my buddy, Eric Pollock, who wrestled at Bloomsburg. Um, God is, I think he wrestled a couple of years there and then came back to ASU, finished his uh, degree. He's a principal and he's actually started schools, uh, getting the accreditations. Um, he would be like contracted out to do that. And I said, hey, what do you think about starting a wrestling school? And he's like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so then I called Mike Douglas uh, uh, and who's my partner. So me, Eric Pollock, uh, Mike Douglas, uh, who runs Thoroughbred Wrestling Club, where my boys uh, were going. Uh, we just went from there and started plugging away, and here we are. We're getting ready to start our third school year. However, uh, we're having a hard time getting in the AIA uh, just as an associate member. That's all we want. We won't compete at the state tournament, just like uh, the other national prep schools do, but we have to have that associate membership to be in the national preps hmm. so we're going through a bunch of stuff i think we're going to be in this year that's that's what it's looking like and we'll be able to compete in the national preps and 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 i know that they're waiting for that as well uh we added some other sports um golf um track uh swimming uh, so yeah but do you have students or is it all homeschooled no we have students we have it's just I'm actually sitting in my office right now uh, at the school. There's four classrooms, a cafeteria, like a kitchen area. Wow. Um, yeah, several offices. We, uh, we have our math teacher, English, social studies, and our science. And then we have our computer lab for our extra classes. Yeah, but we're, <laughs> we're running all day together. The, our kids get up at like 4.30 in the morning. We hit the gym at 5.30. Uh, they shower. They bring their breakfast there. Uh, then they walk across the street to the school uh, and they go to school to about 1.15. We start practice at 1.45, we go till 4.15, parents pick them up and we start all over again. Holy so they're together all day, which is, which is great. Uh, we go two hours. Okay, two, okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was three for some reason. Okay, so that nah. that's pretty sweet though. I mean, what is the, so what's the drive with being part of the national preps? And there's not a lot of schools in Illinois, if any, that are part of that. But also, there's only three divisions, so it's not that big of a deal to be in the IHSA. But why the, want, why the need to get into that versus going to a big school in, a, in the AIA? Well, uh, the biggest thing is an independent schedule. So mm -hmm. you get to set your own schedule for the most part. Uh, so we would hit, I was five, six out-of-state tournaments, all the big tournaments. So just the exposure, yeah. uh, not being limited just to wrestling the same guys that you're going to wrestle in the summer all year long too at the, at the Saturday state tournaments. So just the exposure and the national preps allows you to do that. So then you still have a postseason. So if you have an independent schedule, your, your postseason, instead of it being the sectionals and the state tournament, it's going to be the regional and you got to qualify for the national championships at mm -hmm. Lehigh. So that, I just was, I really liked it uh, ever when I started coaching at ASU. I, I used to travel out and recruit at that tournament. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is what I'd want to do. And I never really put a whole lot of thought into it then. But yeah, I just, I, I really like it. I think it's prestigious. And yeah, just that independent schedule with, with being able to, you're, you're limited in your state. Uh, most states are limited, limit you to how much you can travel out. So I don't want to be governed like that. I want to be able to go to, Doc B, Beast of the East, 
Iron Man. So you couldn't, the, Man. Arizona schools can't travel past a certain distance or you can only do so many. Tournaments no. Yeah. So many tournaments. Yeah. Gotcha. And, I, and I'd rather wrestle at five where we're exposed, getting beat instead of going to the same tournament in Arizona with, the, and yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's how I look at it. Well, dude, the wrestling room is sick. I've seen pictures of it just through browsing. I think your Instagram or someone else's, but the facilities look unbelievable. Is that uh is that where you do the thoroughbred, thoroughbred club as well? Yeah. Yeah. So Jack Cardinal, who actually was coaching with me at Seton, uh, he picked up that building. Shoot. It's been a while now. Uh, we were still at Seton at the time and that's where we've been running thoroughbred and, and Valiant out of, uh, okay. yeah, it's, it's a great room. Three full mats. It has a balcony for the parents, yeah. bathroom showers. Yeah. That's nice. That's great, man. I mean, and you're, you know, your name in Arizona, as you mentioned, must carry a ton of weight. You know, Hodge, winner, national champ. So you, I'm sure you're pulling kids from all over. How old are your boys? Are they wrestling on the circuit yet or too young? Yeah, yeah. So my oldest, he's, he hasn't wrestled in a few years now. He, he was doing really well, getting better. But then he had injuries. He had two hip surgeries, three knee surgeries, and we just stopped pushing him. Uh, it, yeah, it was just unfortunate, some of his injuries. Uh, but he's, I mean, he works out with the boys and drives them to practice. Uh, my, my second one, uh, Caleb, uh, he's ranked in, in the big board right now, I think like 65 or something like that. He's going to be a junior. Um, he took second out at high school nationals placed in Fargo and Greco. Uh, he's coming. And then my third boy, Kyler, he just won Tulsa. Uh, he'll be a freshman uh, this year. And then my little guys, they come to practice whenever they want, like once or twice a week and just kind of mess around. I don't, I don't push them. Uh, not until I'm about 12 years old. Uh, then I'll start kind of sticking with the stick a little bit. Putting the hammer uh, on them. And then I, Benji Alanis, who lives uh, with me, I have guardianship over him, uh, since his, eight, the end of his eighth grade year. Uh, he's a stud too. He, um, he's going to be a senior next year. He's beat a lot of good kids. He's been ranked in the in the top 20, I think, at one point. Uh, but he's been out for like a year and a half with an ankle injury. So hopefully we get to wrestle in Fargo and he gets to get out there and show what he can do. So. And, and what about uh, Angel Cejudo? How did, what went into the decision to bring him in? So when Angel moved back from Colorado Springs, uh, he called me and we, we met, uh, had lunch, and just kind of kicking some ideas around. And I, I think... This was, uh, yeah, this was before I started thinking about the school, but I started getting around his technique and, and seeing how he was. And I, to be honest with you, he's probably one of the best coaches I've ever seen. Uh, wow. And he's, yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. And I just, I liked how, uh, I liked his technique and just the way he, he's kind of more of like a, a Russian style of mm. uh, uh, his technique. Kind of, that's what he, he follows a little bit more. And it was stuff that I hadn't seen, um, and it really works. So when I saw that and I started kind of going down this, uh, starting the school, I, uh, I reached out to him like, dude, let's, let's do this. You want to be the head coach? He's like, sure. And Sweet. yeah, he became the head coach. He runs the program. Uh, I help him out. Um, and uh, yeah, here, uh, we're hoping that we can do some big things. Angel was, you know, right before Henry, he was the man back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Champ. Mm -hmm. uh, won Fargo multiple times as well. And he was right there on the, on the senior, senior level. Um, Did he even go to college? No. He just no. went right to the, right, right to, to the bigs, huh? Yeah. Right to the bigs. God. And he was competing with all those guys. He beat a lot of, a lot of studs. Just, he never made the team like, like myself. Um, so, yeah. Now, going back to your career, I didn't realize that in 2000, did you finish third at the Olympic trials as a true sophomore? I mean, that, that's pretty remarkable. Did you, and this may sound like a dumb question, but going into it, did you plan on winning it or were you using a year just to, to kind of get better and get experience? Yeah, to get better, get experience. If I got in the top three, that was exciting. But uh, I, I never put uh, pressure on myself. I think I, I had a lot more fun my well my true freshman year my true sophomore year because i didn't i didn't expect myself to to win these things and uh taking third was cool um kind of lucked out got in uh 
I had a buy, I think on the bottom or someone was injured, like one of the Steiners or something. Yeah. And those names to me, I was just like, Oh my God, I'm wrestling with these guys. Uh, right. It, it was cool. Uh, but I could wrestle with them. Uh, I ended up beating Sean Charles in the, uh, for third and fourth in o OT. And that was kind of cool. Um, ASU alum. <laughs> ASU alum. I think Man. he's a four time all American as well. I found an article that at that trials, Arizona State had like 10, nine or 10 alum wrestling in it in the 2000 Olympic trials. In 2000? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was yeah, uh, makes sense. Malika, you, uh, Simpson, yeah. maybe David Douglas was in there. there. There was like 10 of them, though. A couple Greco, but I was like, shit, that's, that's pretty good numbers, you know, for any program, let alone, yeah. uh, you know, ASU. But I mean, even now, I mean, Arizona State wrestles a really tough schedule. Was it any doubt you were going to go to, go to Arizona state? Like did Tom call no. you to go to Iowa state? Yeah, but he, he knew what I was doing. He'd be like, you come here, we'll take care of you. I know what you're doing though. Yeah. I had, I only had a few people uh, reach out to me everywhere I went. I was like, I'm going to ASU. I mean, yeah. they could have got me for 0% probably. <laughs> <laughs> I was dating uh, my wife now at the time. So, and she was going to ASU and yeah, I, I'm, deal. Not, I'm done. Yeah. I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> um now one of the things i found interesting was how many times you wrestled jared lawrence and it is i can't even i'm sure it's way more than what i found but when was the first time you guys scrapped yeah too many times it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of fun to wrestling because he was tough as, as nails uh i think my first or second year of wrestling at uh, western regional and i think he checked me like in 30 seconds in both styles um and I just watched him beat up on everyone. He was one of those kids that never lost. And I hear all the other kids talking about it. I'm like, never lost. And I guess he'd been wrestling for like five years at the time. So it was, it was a big deal. Um, and then uh, at, the, at the national level, uh, first, no, let's see. Yeah, second year of cadets. Um, he won the Greco. And I got, I, I beat, no, I lost to him earlier earlier on it was the uh round robin mm -hmm. uh tournaments and he ended up winning it and i didn't place and then I ended up beating him in the freestyle uh, uh with the last second turn i heard you uh, were down like 5-0 or something and 5-0 yeah he was just taking me down and i was tough on top so i got a couple turns and the last turn was with uh one second you could hear in the background three two one and i turn him and then they confirmed it and i and it beat him i think that was the first time he lost him forever so Man. it was a pretty big deal look at and the it, jump you made though i mean from getting teched at junior regionals to beating him at fargo that's nuts yeah yeah that's kind of how I, I just I, I kept getting better quick too um until those rules changed so <laughs> <laughs> now did you uh were you someone when you competed in the high school level were you able to compete you know pressure free like you just mentioned or is that something you had to learn over the years i was pretty good with pressure um obviously i'd, I'd be nervous for for big matches just like anybody would but once that whistle blew i was i was ready to go um i mean i probably wrestled the match a million times before that and throughout the day or if I was going to a big tournament, I knew who I was going to wrestle. Uh, I wrestled those matches so many times on, on hard runs or in the practice room. Um, How so do you I got mean? it just mentally. I would, I could see, I'd visualize myself wrestling with these guys and, and of course winning in, in my head. So as soon as that whistle blew, uh, yeah, I, I didn't have nerves or like I've been there before kind of deal. I was always pretty good about doing that. And would you, in a, if anyone's listening, well, I mean, when people are listening to this, they're gonna they're gonna go nuts because I. If anyone mentions visualization, I freaking bite on it, and we're going deep on this because oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm obsessed with uh with like, uh, like ultra winners and visualization because I just think it's so fascinating. Now, did you visualize the match or like the aftermath of standing on the podium? Both. Yeah. So. I guess that was kind of weird, but when I started listening to these guys, like what you're talking about, these ultra winners, I was doing that same kind of stuff. Like I, I would be in my room, I'd put the music on and I'd wrestle by myself uh, in my, in my bedroom. And I would, I'd have, I'd wrestle like Tom Brands, John Smith. And I would, I would just go through it. So then when I actually started competing in these tournaments where I was wrestling at the, at that uh, national level, 
I would do the same thing. I'd wrestle each match just right there in my room with doing push-ups and um and then I really start I got into journaling and uh I showed my kids that all this stuff I wrote down something every day of what I did working out, how my day felt, uh what I felt like at the end of the day, what I what I felt like at the beginning of the day. And I would I wrote something on it. So back all the way till I was like in the end of my seventh grade year, I had notebooks of stuff written down every single day how many push-ups I did if I weight lifted if I didn't work out because I was feeling sorry for myself I wrote all that stuff down and I showed my kids that and they were just blown away I, I don't know very many people that do that but like you're saying those ultra winners they do man. weird stuff like that journaling and visualization these are my <laughs> I'm obsessed with it man I got a stack of them over there the journals but I never did it or even knew about it when I was in high school and I look back now and I'm like yeah that's pretty pretty good to know about um but you just picked this up on your own or did your pops tell you about it someone might have told me but I was doing it on my own I mean most of the time they didn't even know what I was doing I just I even wrote down uh every Saturday we had these Saturday tournaments and I'd have a check mark on another little page on how many I won, how many I lost. And then I'd write the name next to it if I um, if I lost. So obviously I didn't have as many losses as I did wins. Sure. Yeah, just, just weird stuff like that. I, I kept little notes of everyday things. Like if I went on a 10 mile run, how my, when my legs started getting tired, um, I just visualized all the time. I was always competing for like a world title or Olympic title in my head. Uh, and yeah. Did you, uh, when you were doing it at the time, did you realize that, hey, I need to journal today? Because like, you don't, even now, people don't want to do it every day. No one wants to do everything, anything every single day. But so like, did you say, hey, no, I got to sit down and journal or I got to sit down and visualize or it just happened for you? Yeah, sometimes I had to do that. I was, I was kind of superstitious. Uh, and if I didn't do something that I set for my goal, like a, a goal for that day, if I didn't do something, I would wake up the next day, I got worse. Even if it was something as little as journaling or taking the trash out of my room, I, 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 like I wasn't paying the wrestling God's respect, doing what I needed to do. I thought weird like that. <laughs> so I made sure I did every little thing. I had a good day or I got better today. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I just, uh, one of the other things I did is I always had to go, this is, Aaron always makes fun of me about this. He, he, I think he might've noticed one day when I walk into a bathroom, I always go to the far left to go to the bathroom. I would even wait until someone was done. If, if there was yeah. a bunch open, I'd go over there and he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, it's just something I do for, <laughs> if I want to win. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> yeah. how many wrestlers are OCD like that? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's in a, I've, a lot. I've talked to a is lot there? of people. Oh yeah. And there's like a lot of people who say, like uh, I just had Kyle Dake on and he journaled in college and he, and if he, he wrote 149 national champ in the morning and at night, every single day. And like, as he was writing it, if like the font wasn't right, <laughs> like the LBS, you'd rip the page out and start over, you know, it's like, yeah, that's how it was for sure. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that's crazy. But a lot of people think like, man, that's, there's something wrong with that kid. I'm like, I want to learn more about that person. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so what, so would you, would you have goals for like how hard you wanted to work that day or for like an outcome of a tournament? Yeah. As, as I got older, I started doing that kind of stuff. Um, and when I learned more about journaling and, and note taking and visualizing, um, uh, that when I was younger, it just kind of came to me and I just started doing little things like that. But then I started writing down, all right, this is what my workout's going to be. I'm going to go at this intensity. Uh, I want to try to accomplish this. It, I was, I had a real good single leg, uh, but when I got to a certain level, they knew I had a good single leg. I still felt like I can get it on them, but I knew, I knew I needed to develop another shot. So I started getting to my high crotch and I would make myself when I go into practice that day, all right, I'm going to shoot a hundred high crotches. I'm not going to leave this room until I at least scored so many times. So I'd write that kind of stuff down. Um, and if I wasn't able to do it, it would drive me nuts. I'd probably go home and go for a run or do an extra workout or try to, uh, get someone to stay a little longer. Uh, so yeah. And now in high school, would it be unusual for you to do two workouts a day or was that the norm for you? Three. I was doing probably three in high school. Um, the morning uh, run, lift, and then uh, wrestling practice. And I'd still go home and do some push-ups, sit-ups, visualization. Yeah. Man. 
Yeah. Who were the, who were the two? I, I, I'm only asking because I'm legitimately curious. Were your two losses in the finals in high school? Or did you uh, win four titles in high school? No, I didn't even make the, the team my freshman year, and I won cadets. So, Shut up. What? Yeah. Dude, bump up. Yeah. What the heck? I couldn't. I couldn't beat him either. He was a third in Fargo as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's crazy. Make the team. Yeah. So he was a senior. I was a freshman. He was going for his third state title. I had him beat in the third period in our wrestle-off. And the crazy thing is, I'll, I'll never forget this. I, I joke with him when I see when I see him every once in a while. Is uh, he? I was sitting in the room. I didn't even want to wrestle him off. I was I was like nervous to wrestle him off because uh, I thought he was just gonna kick my ass. Yeah. Uh, n- not not wrestling wise, like he wanted to fight me. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking like that, and sure enough, he comes to the room. He goes, "I have to wrestle you off. If you beat me, I'm gonna kick your ass." <laughs> <laughs> so I almost beat him. Uh, ended up losing the match and uh he won a state title and then i bumped up and wrestled jv i I filled in the spots uh when they were hurt or sick and i won all those varsity matches um was it crushing not to start or you just or you kind of knew those guys were legit and it was just part of uh, you know what i don't remember how i how i really felt um it it was yeah i was used to winning um it it wasn't fun but I still found my way through and trained those guys every day. I think I got better that year quite a bit because I tried to beat them every day in the room. So I always brought my intensity to practice. And I remember beating them, uh, the three and the 12 pounder at the time. And then they both go and place in Fargo finalist. And then I won it cadet. So, wow. Yeah. That's a deep room. What about, what about the next year? The next year I went one nineteen and I took third. I was undefeated all year. Okay. Uh, then lost to a senior um, in the quarterfinals. Uh, his name was Larry Trujillo. Um, and then I uh, never got to wrestle with him again. I think he was done after that. Just a fluke match. Right. Uh, Just happened. Beat. Yeah. So I took third uh, junior year and senior year undefeated um, yeah. and won both of those. And just, I mean, win in Fargo, win in, win in NHSCA. And I know he mentioned uh, the Lawrence match. I watched, watched that match and you beat him in folk style there. And then, you know, you go on all American as a, as a true freshman. Did you plan on starting or you, right away? And maybe you didn't. Cause you said at the sun kiss tournament, I, I didn't, uh, I was planning on going 41 or what, what were the weight classes? Yeah. They were still that way. 40. I was planning on going 41 or 49 uh, after a red shirt. Cause I was walking around 55 lifting every day and then I knew I was going to get down for Sunkiss because the weights whatever those weights were at the time uh the the next one up was it 38 and then 52 I thought it was because I was looking at it I don't know if that's when you wrestled Colette or if that was later in your career but I I remember looking at it no no when you wrestled at the 2000 trials Bill Zadig lost to Colette in the finals I thought that was 38 or maybe it was 33 and a half one of those two so uh, it was 20. What, what happened at Sunkiss is you got two kilos. Now I remember. So okay. it was 127 and a half plus the two kilos. So it was like 132 point something. So I got down to that weight instead mm-hmm. of making the 140, whatever that weight class was. Uh, so I got down to that weight and it was, a, it was a tough cut, but I started about a month out, got it down. And I, I was, I wrestled at it and I shoot, I beat everybody. I think at the time, uh, the two, the two seed, uh, at uh, at my weight class at 133 was from Fresno. I'm trying to think of his name right now. Stan Green. Okay. He was the two the two seed going into that tournament. I mean, uh, into the NCAs that next season, and I teched him, uh, and that's when I remember. <laughs> yeah, I teched him. I didn't know. Shirt, baby. <laughs> I didn't even know who he was. He goes, you know who you just beat? I'm like, no. <laughs> Dang. You're wrestling, and I'm like, ah, oh, great. <laughs> I so- got to come wait all year. Man, that that's a hard cut. But I mean, you go to the nationals, you place, you redshirt the next year. Um, as a junior, you end up making it to the finals, losing to Holker. And at that point, going into your senior campaign, what were you thinking like the Sunday after the nationals? You know, you're after your junior year, you make it to the finals, you lose to Holker. You know, Sunday on the flight back to to Tempe or to Phoenix, where are you at mentally at this point? Obviously, I was dev- devastated, but. Uh, I knew I was going to get, like, the very next day we got back, let's say Sunday. Monday, I was already in the weight room. 
I I told uh, Ortiz, I'm I'm going uh, 49. I'm gonna get big. I just getting down and competing at that at that weight class a couple hours after isn't fun. Um, and I think I had a lot of injuries through my college career because of the weight cuts I did. Uh, so I was just ready to put some muscle on and clean up my diet a little bit. And I would I would come into practice probably 58. 60 and I'd leave practice like at 53 and I make it was easy for 49 49 was easy I'd, I'd come in hit one little workout right before and I was good I could compete easily in an hour two hours uh but getting down to 41s was not good how many guys just had injury plagued careers or just were so mentally burnt out from the weight cut that they just you know those four years were just gone because they were cutting too much I mean before your time must have been the story of a lot of people a lot. Yeah. So, so many people just get burned out from the weight cut. My, like my brother was burned out. Dave Douglas, I know he could have won uh, his senior, my junior year when I lost to Holker, he would have won that weight class. Uh, I think I would have had a pretty good shot at 49s. Uh, yeah. It's just, it just didn't work out that year with, yeah. the, with where we were placing ourselves. But I mean, even the workouts though, when I had Aaron on, he talks about, you know, he always loved working out, but even his sophomore year, maybe it was his junior year, he was like ranked as high as third. I don't think he placed that year. And he was just completely looking back, just completely overworked. I mean, I think the science of wrestling has come a long way in terms of just grinding guys down. Have you seen a change in your, in your time? Absolutely. Just talking with all the guys that used to compete when I was competing, uh, just the way that they're doing this in the rooms. I mean, you hear of coaches now, a kid walks in, uh, they'll be like, go home, go get a, go get a break. Uh, that never happened. We yeah. never got a break. We, and then we felt like we had to do more just to separate ourselves. I know I did, and yeah. that's why I think I was always beat up, but I, I always did more than the, the workload that those coaches were putting in front of me, and it was a lot, uh, like Simpson was saying. Simpson was my coach, um, and we used to, yeah, we call it Hell Week at ASU, and we'd have so many people quit, and it just went from there. We just nonstop. You know how it is. Yeah. And it's definitely changed. It's got, it's got a lot better. Um, just the science behind it on how much rest helps uh, recovery is just as important as grinding uh, and doing the right things every day. Yeah, the sleep part's big. I've had a lot of Cornell guys on. They have completely done away with anything that starts before 10 a.m. Um, the reality is that a lot of those guys are studying late and that most college guys aren't going to bed before midnight anyway. And so if they don't get the seven or eight, you know, it's detrimental, you know, by, the, by November to March, they're beat up. So they've done away with anything before 10 a.m. Um, they, it's just, it's cool to see that, you know, things changing. Whereas before that, it was pretty much status quo, grind, grind, grind. Yeah, I like that. And it, it seems uh, a lot easier to control, like with our high school group, with our, our school seventh through 12th grade. Uh, we can't control what time they go to bed. At right. my house, at my house, I can. They're, I mean, they get through everything they eat. They're in bed at like seven thirty, eight o'clock. So they're getting their sleep in. But yep. you'll know the kids that are coming in that aren't getting their sleep in. So it'd probably be a lot easier to control if we started our day a lot later, uh, letting them sleep in and then let them go to bed at whatever time. So we can kind of control that a little bit better. I like yeah. that. Yeah, they uh, they've talked about that a couple times. Like this. Uh, they have a PhD professor who's like the doctor of sleep. And he had had a conversation with Rob Cole and said, Rob, you got to stop with the morning workouts. It's killing your guys. And he changed it and he attributes a lot to it. So it's, I just find that kind of stuff fascinating. Um, it is. Now going into your senior year, when you'd bumped up, um, you make it to the finals. You got your, I don't want to call him your nemesis because you got the better of him here. Whereas he may, you may think otherwise because he beat you in 04, but bottom line, yeah. you're going into the finals, uh, you know, in a loaded weight class, absolutely loaded weight class. Where are you at mentally 10 minutes out before this one? Is it same as usual? You're going through your head? Matt. So th that season, I'll kind of go back a little bit. That sure. season, I just felt very confident. I never even doubted myself a little bit. I, I, like I said, I was, I was like that for the most part up until those rules changed and I lost all confidence, didn't want to wrestle anymore. But yeah, I was just, when I stepped on the mat, I was going to win. I was going to make it happen. And I was even thinking about dominating matches for the most part, even against the better guys. Um, but that match going in my finals, uh, 
I was injured. Not a lot of people know my uh, semifinal match against Gerard Sanders uh, from Oklahoma State. I tore my LCL uh, in a scramble. And I got through the match. I was so I got off the mat. I'm like, hey, guys, I my knee's torn. I know something's something's not right. So got back to the room, showered, iced, all that kind of stuff. They got me up in the morning. I didn't have to cut any weight, really. I, mm-hmm. I just slept off my pound. I couldn't even walk. I had to get help to go to the bathroom. I couldn't even, yeah, couldn't walk. And I had to hide that at the weigh-ins. I didn't want anyone to see me hobbling around. So it was so hard to get through the weigh-in, but I just toughed it out, got through the weigh-in. And this is kind of a crazy story. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to be able to wrestle. I, I tried to put weight. I couldn't do anything. So I tell the, the coach, I'm like, hey, I, I got to do something for this pain. Or, and our trainer at the time didn't want, so I was trying to see a doctor, maybe get a shot of like Toradol or something. And uh, it wasn't going to happen. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to wrestle. Well, found another avenue and told uh, uh, our trainer that, hey, this is, this is what I'm going to do regardless. And at that time, when I said that, he got it done through ASU and I got the shot. Five, 10 minutes before, I couldn't feel my knee, took the brace off. I had it all taped up. I was just going to go see what could happen, and then I couldn't feel it anymore. It was the, I don't know what it was, God or whatever, and I scrapped, got through the match, and then I hobbled around for the next two, week, got two weeks on crutches. Wait, so did, could you not feel it because of the pain medicine? or? Yeah, it, it was, it was Toradol, and it just took the, the pain away, and, and uh, it was stable enough because I still had my ACL, my MCL, that I – I could wrestle and I got through that match pain free. Yeah. But I, I honestly thought I was here. I go again. I'm not going to win it. I thought I was done. Yeah. Tell you, tell coach Ortiz. He's like, get this man. some (laughs) (laughs) He's like, get him a shot. (laughs) And I didn't even know if that was going to work. I was just like, let's try it. We'll see how it goes. And then really like right before the match, I'm like, yes, I can, I can scrap. Yeah. I mean, you were going to go out there regardless. I got to imagine. Regardless. I was going out there. Yeah. Man, that thing must have been stiff on Sunday. <laughs> oh man, it was yeah, it was not it was not fun. Man, did you ever think about after you were done? Uh, did you ever think about going MMA since ASU is like the MMA factory? I did. I fought four times. I uh, yeah. So when I was done in '08 competing, uh, I think 2010, I took four fights. I fought in Bellator a couple times. Um, I told my wife, if I ever get seriously hurt, I'll stop. My last fight, it was a mini tournament and I was the one seed, uh, pretty, some studs in there. Uh, I'm glad I didn't have to fight him uh, <laughs> looking back, but I got kneed in the head. I was trying to take the guy down. Um, and he was throwing a kick and I ran right into his knee and I ended up getting 37 stitches across my forehead. My heart would beat, the blood would squirt. It was, it was crazy. I fought another couple of minutes and then I tapped out. Yeah. <laughs> My heart would beat in the blood. Was- yeah. And I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> Jesus, dude. That's wild. Um, yeah. Like how, there's so many guys from that school down there that have gone on to have successful careers. You know, was Bader your age or older or younger? Yeah. yeah so Bader was a, a freshman. I was a senior. So okay. um, I've known Bader for a long time. Yeah. Bader, CB Dalloway, who also fought in the UFC, Simpson, Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's just so many guys. They all everyone likes to fight, I guess, at ASU. But I guess so. They're all pretty successful. So I'll never forget the my last time going to the Sunkiss camp. Kane was there, and he was a a terrifying individual to see. While I was 103, you know, so he was like walking around. He had brown pride tattooed on his chest, and I was like, "What's that say?" He's like, "I'm not a book. Don't try and read me." And I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember one time he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to uh, going to San Jose, or maybe it was like." southern california to do some yeah san jose kickbox- yeah san jose to do some kickboxing i'm like the fuck I, come on dog k1 <laughs> and then i didn't think anything about it for years and i pulled up ufc i'm like that's the same dude that's crazy and he was one of the best heavyweights of all time yeah that dude was intense he worked just as hard as our little guys or if not harder that's i think what separated him as a heavyweight his conditioning was another level but just his ten, like his tenacity going through workouts was awesome uh he was getting he was getting ready to move out to san jose um and we were training and i used to go down and uh, down at asu's uh, basement the weight room and would do workouts and i was doing uh just like a circuit with him and a couple other guys and we used to do these uh farmer walks 
but it was a race. So we'd try to race each other uh, for time. And I think I was winning the race and he, it was his time to go. And he's carrying 120 pound dumbbells, I think. And it was a track down there and he's sprinting and we're standing on the other end. So he had to pass this line and slow down before us. He wanted to win so bad. He runs and he throws his weights right at the line and they bounce like they're going like hundred miles an hour ready to hit us. And we jump out of the way and they go through the wall. He turns and goes, why didn't you stop the weights? I'm like, no, you would have killed us, dude. <laughs> but yeah, he wanted to win so bad. He just said, screw it. And both weights went through the wall. God, <laughs> that's a, that's a hard dude. Cain Velasquez, man. He goes yeah. hard. My hard. God. Um, so speaking of weightlifting, there's a lot yeah. of science about this now. You know, should we lift? Should we not? You know, when you, let's say your boys are, and maybe they are this age, but let's say like going into their sophomore year, they've hit puberty. What what weightlifting workouts are you advising for kids now? So yeah, that's something that we kind of talk about quite a bit. Uh, really, uh, injury prevention's big. Uh, trying to find ways just to, to prevent that. I think each kid's different. Some kids need to lift heavy. Like one of my boys doesn't even lift my, he's going to be a junior. He does do, does some pull-ups and stuff. Uh, my eighth grader lifts quite a bit. I think each, each kid's different. If you're successful without it and you're staying healthy, uh, I mean, don't do it. Um, really? Okay. That's, that's kind of how I feel. Um, that's kind of what we do with our kids. Some of them lift, some of them don't. However, uh, at the school, we have a, a weightlifting program, training program, a lot of injury prevention, uh, flexibility, timing, uh, speed drills. Uh, we'll still hit, have them hit their squats, their uh, deads, but they, ha they have to do that three days a week. Whatever, well, they yeah, they have to do that three days a week. Whatever intensity they bring to it's on them. Uh, obviously, what does that look like though? Again, like if I'm a high school coach and I might try and implement something similar, the three days a week, what is it? Uh, so we'll have, I don't have it in front of me, uh, like a speed day, uh, a leg day and, uh, like a core day. Okay. It's kind of, it's kind of what we're doing. Uh, just trying to hit everything, um, balance, that kind of stuff. That's, it's that's amazing it. how much work you get in just having your kids do pull-ups, bodyweight squats, bodyweight lunges, push-ups, some planks. I mean, if you did that alone, you're going to be yeah. in shape, you know I mean? And that's pretty low injury risk. Yeah. Yeah. And our kids get, I mean, they get stronger in the room every day in yeah. the wrestling room. I think that's where you get your strength, uh, having to use every part of your body to sustain a position or, or get through a position. It's not just one movement. Uh, one thing that kind of sticks out, I was watching uh, Dake do some kind of training the other day, and I was impressed with that. I really like that kind of stuff. I don't know what he called it. Functional patterns, man. Functional that is patterns. Fascinating That's, stuff. I really like that. That makes so much sense to me. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll start going down that way. Uh, that's in my, that's why the reason I asked you is that that was like my second and most recent one. And I went down the rabbit hole on that just to understand it. Cause obviously he was going to retire before that because he was in so much pain and, um, Oh, functional main, patterns. You said, yeah. Okay. The main guy's based in Hawaii now, but it used to be in Seattle, but they got trainers all over. But, um, it's just, if you watch them do things like that, I'm with you. I'm like, that's exactly what, you know, it, it looks, that looks more similar to wrestling than anything else I've seen. Yeah. You know? So, and I know all these universities are doing different things. Some believe in a really heavy program, uh, really pushing those weights around and some don't. So, right. I mean, I don't think Penn state's doing a whole lot of that. No. Uh, you think I was pushing some weight, uh, just cause of the, the way that they've, I don't know if they're still doing that now, but, uh, talking with some of the coaches uh, throughout the country, you just hear different ideas. Why? Well, so that's why I think everything works. I think yeah. it's different for each person. Well, David Taylor in an interview, I didn't interview him, but he said that he had never lifted a weight really until he decided to go up to 86 kilos. And he started working with Sam Calavita at the training lab in Southern California. Have uh -huh. you seen those videos of those guys no. going? Mm -mm. That's where Pico used to work out. This guy is okay. a mathematician. He, it's just, I'm fascinated by all the different intricacies of strength and conditioning. That's another one. Um, I'll send you a video or two, but okay. yeah, I just heard you mention throughout the interview that you lifted either in college or coming up. So I just wondered how your philosophy on it's changed over the years. And it sounds like it's pretty dependent on the athlete. Yeah. For me, I was real big on lifting. Uh, 
and that I think that helped me quite a bit. Uh, it didn't prevent injuries because I was always hurt, but yeah, I was strong. Well, man, we got to, uh, I know we're winding down here. We got to get you up to one of the big Chicago Christmas tournaments, man. There's a, uh, bring the, the prep school up here. If you guys could, there's a, I would love to, it's called the Dvorak 32 teams. It's, it's like the top Chicago tournament. It's awesome. I've heard of that. Uh, yeah, the, the Douglases would probably love to do that because they're from Chicago. Yes. Uh, and our strength, our strength guy, he's, he's really good. He's a chiropractor and I think he got his master's in exercise science or something. But his name is Austin. He's from Illinois, and he he always talks about just how tough the tournaments are. And, uh, it's yeah. awesome up here. I'd like to get there for sure. Yeah, it'd be it'd be great to to meet in person and have you up here. Last thing I always ask is, you know, the name of the show is how did wrestling? The name of the show is wrestling changed my life. But you know, how did how did it influence you, or what lessons do you take with you to this day uh, that you've learned through this great sport? I'm sure there are numerous with you, but what comes to mind? Yeah, there's a lot. I, so one that sticks out in my mind right now, I know it's kind of cliche, but is just being able to put your, put yourself at risk to failing. But it, it, so what I mean by that is in order to have like a big reward or this is how I always felt you had to, you had to go hard. You had to put a lot of work into it. Or if you put yourself out there, it's, there's a lot of risk, but there's a lot of reward, like with this school, um, starting this school. I mean, it's, it's been hard uh, just getting through all the politics and everything. Uh, it was hard to just the last two, three years uh, getting through that. I, I mean, that's not even, I don't even get paid to do that job. That's just right. my, pa my passion. I, I do home health care. Uh, so getting through that and seeing the light on the other side has been rewarding and just confirms what wrestling has done for me uh working hard and failing but being okay with that learning from it and then moving on or finding another avenue finding another way and not just stopping and quitting um that's what wrestling's done for me yeah you never know how close you are until like you get there right you could be like a day away from getting whatever you want right and let's just say you stop a day short you'll never know how close you are so yeah it's it's pretty cool to see that and obviously wrestling and the it's the ultimate sacrifice in a sense that you're on the line with a lot of people watching with other with one other person out there so it's really just you and that person um well dude i i really appreciate you coming on it's good to have some sun devils on the show and, and i look yeah. to have you back on here man once uh once we're out of this corona thing here cool thanks for having me appreciate right, it and all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.